Welcome to Public Procurement Post-Brexit, a new bite-sized podcast series that will look at the key parts of the procurement bill that's currently making its way through Parliament. We'll be highlighting the main changes between the existing public procurement regulations and the new bill, as well as considering the anticipated direction of travel of public procurement law. Today's episode will cover the circumstances in which a supplier can be excluded from a procurement process. I'm Jen Clark, Principal Associate in the commercial team, and I'm joined today by my colleagues in our public procurement team, Amy Cook and Joel Murphy. So let's get started. I think it's fair to say that suppliers have always been mindful about how they answer the pass or fail questions in a tender request, or if they're unhappy with the contract terms, are actually worried about discussing a legitimate amendment with the contracting authority, probably thinking that this will exclude them from the process or score them unfavorably. But the legislation currently sets out some exclusions that the contracting authorities have to have regard to, and that's going to be the focus of this session. Should we start by recapping what happens under the current regulations? Sure. So there's uh, currently a set of mandatory exclusions, and if these apply, the supplier is not permitted to continue in the competition. So these cover things like convictions for drug trafficking, money laundering, bribery and corruption. So typically very serious offences which would make a supplier unsuitable for the public sector to be associated with and would likely put the contract delivery at risk. There are also a set of discretionary exclusions, and if these apply, the contracting authority can decide whether to exclude the supplier. So these cover things like insolvency proceedings, conflict of interest, or significant adverse past performance in contract delivery, perhaps in a previous public contract. And if a supplier finds themselves falling within the exclusions, there are ways of trying to resolve this, aren't there? Yeah, so with both the mandatory and discretionary exclusions, the supplier has the opportunity to self-clean, which means they can provide evidence that despite the grounds for exclusion, they have taken measures measures to demonstrate reliability. So, for example, where there has been a criminal offence that they have paid or undertaken to pay compensation in respect of any damage caused by the offence, or they have removed the relevant personnel from being involved in the contract where a conflict of interest has occurred. It's up to the contracting authority, though, as to whether such evidence is accepted or not. Okay. And um, what are the exclusions under the new procurement bill now? The new bill introduces a concept of excluded supplier and excludable supplier. And I believe this is one of those language changes to get rid of the so-called European language um, from the current procurement regulations, which I think is an intriguing use of time and resource. In terms of what that means, any tender that comes from a supplier that is classed as an excluded supplier has to be disregarded, whereas the contracting authority has the discretion to disregard a tender from an excludable supplier. This is therefore very similar to the mandatory and discretionary exclusions in the existing regime, just with the new different labels. So are there any new exclusions under the bill, or is it essentially just that the labels have changed? Well, there is a new ground that would result in a supplier being classed as an excludable supplier, which is where the supplier's committed a sufficiently serious breach of a relevant contract. Now, a relevant contract are those that suppliers entered into with a public authority, think of them like that. 
And a breach is classed as sufficiently serious where that breach has resulted in termination or even partial termination, um, the award of damages or a settlement agreement. And a supplier could also be excludable where the supplier was given proper opportunity to improve performance in a contract, but has failed to do so, leading to that contract not being performed to the relevant authority's satisfaction. Yeah, and we're going to see an improper behaviour exclusion as well, which requires a contracting authority to treat the supplier as an excluded supplier. This applies where the contracting authority determines that a supplier has acted improperly in relation to a procurement, such that the supplier is at an unfair advantage for the award of the contract. And the only way to avoid the unfair advantage is to exclude that supplier. Yeah. And the bill says that a supplier might act improperly by either failing to provide information requested by the contracting authority, um, providing information that's incomplete, inaccurate or misleading, accessing confidential information and or unduly influencing the contracting authority's decision making. On the face of it, this could allow a contracting authority quite a wide discretion to determine what acting improperly is but they do still have to link the improper behaviour to the supplier being at an unfair advantage for the award of the contract. Will this process of exclusions just operate in the same way then? So not quite. Um, Before classing the supplier as excluded or excludable, the contracting authority has to consider whether the circumstances giving rise to the exclusion ground are likely to occur again. So the contracting authority can consider various matters when looking at this, such as evidence that the supplier is taking the circumstances seriously, which for example might be by paying compensation, um, steps the supplier is taken to prevent those circumstances occurring again, um, such as changes to staff, other commitments that such steps will be taken to sort of evidence those things. Um, they could demonstrate that time has passed since the circumstances last occurred and um, any other evidence that the contracting authority might consider to be appropriate. So this is rather like the self-cleaning provisions we spoke about earlier in the context of the existing rules, except that there's more matters that the authority can consider and it's up to the authority to consider those aspects rather than with the self-cleaning, the onus is on the supplier to prove that it's taken measures to demonstrate its reliability. And I think it also potentially allows the supplier to show that commitments that future steps will be taken rather than having to prove that the measures have already been taken. So another helpful aspect as well, I suppose, for suppliers is that supplier has to be given an opportunity to make representations and to provide evidence. And overall, I think this could be favourable for suppliers as it allows them ample opportunities to effectively self-clean and potentially makes it more difficult for authorities to exclude suppliers as they've got to make sure they've got sufficient reason to exclude. So what about if a contracting authority still excludes a supplier, even if the supplier thinks that they've provided sufficient evidence that there's not a risk going forward? I think absolutely you can see that there's a possibility of a dispute there in terms of what the authority is deciding would be um, sufficient steps and that those sufficient steps haven't been taken um, versus the supplier's view that they've done everything they can. And there, there will be potential challenges um, if if a supplier feels it's been wrongly excluded from the process. Yeah, and I suppose um, another point to be aware of as well is that subcontractors are now expressly referred to in the context of exclusions too. Yeah, that's right. So interestingly, the contracting authority can also exclude a supplier on the basis of whether its intended subcontractor is an excluded or excludable supplier. 
So suppliers got to be treated as an excluded supplier where the contracting authorities asked for information about the suppliers connected persons or associated suppliers and subcontractors and the suppliers even failed to supply the information requested or they've provided information that's inaccurate, incomplete or misleading. Now this is a bit different to the current regulations where the mandatory and discretionary exclusions, they only apply to the supplier bidding for the contract. There, a subcontractor would be caught if it was part of a consortium, but not if it was just classed as any standalone intended subcontractor. And and does all of this rely upon self-reporting, essentially? To an extent, yes, but this is not dissimilar to the current regime and the procurement world is a relatively small one. So these issues have a habit of coming to the surface. And if and when they do, this may result in the loss of awarded contracts, potential claims, and also affect the supplier's chances of being awarded future contracts. So honesty is the best policy for suppliers answering these questions when they're bidding. And I've noticed that we're now going to have publicly available records of offending suppliers in the new in the new bill. Yeah, so um, a supplier can be added to what's going to be known as a debarment list, which is a new addition to the procurement regime. And this is going to be a public list. And the only way a supplier would be would be added to the debarment list is by a minister of the crown, either through an investigation carried out by a minister of the crown, which concludes that a supplier is an excluded supplier or an excludable supplier. Or if a supplier fails to comply with an investigation that's being conducted by an authority and a minister determines that this failure to comply with the investigation was kind of sufficiently serious that in itself it constitutes a mandatory exclusion ground. So I think the intention is to make it easier for contracting authorities to identify suppliers that should be excluded from procurements. But of course, once a supplier is added to the list, that does potentially translate as an exclusion from bidding for all public sector contracts. And that could be of real significance to suppliers, given the relatively small world of public sector procurement, and so could have quite far-reaching ramifications as other authorities would be able to check the list as and when they start procurements. Yeah, and there are only limited ways in which a supplier can apply to be removed from the list. One, if there's a material change in circumstances, or two, there's significant information that has not previously been considered. Suppliers can also appeal the decision, but the detail of how this will actually work is to be set out in the regulations. We don't know that yet. So we'll find out more in due course, but I think it could be quite difficult to get removed from the list on that basis. So what can suppliers do to prepare for these changes? Well, at the moment, the the important things to do would be to consider whether either of the new exclusion grounds could apply and pull together information that could be helpful to kind of allow suppliers to make representations with a view to persuading any contracting authority that they should not be excluded from um, a procurement exercise. Uh, Suppliers should also consider the same exclusions in the context of any proposed subcontractors or subcontractors that they they work with regularly. That makes sense. Um, So today we've covered that the new bill will contain similar provisions for exclusion as the current regulations, but we'll see a change in terminology to refer to excluded and excludable suppliers rather than mandatory and discretionary exclusions. Um, We've also looked at how there'll be new grounds for exclusion linked to supplier breach or bad performance under what's known as a relevant contract, as well as where they have behaved improperly. Um, 
all is probably not lost though so there's still going to be the opportunity in fact it's quite a lot of opportunity i think for suppliers to make representations as to why they shouldn't be excluded that's going to put the, the onus on the contracting authority to determine whether there's sufficient evidence to allow the supplier to continue with the process and on that note we've come to the end of today's podcast so thank you amy and joel and thank you for listening this is part of a series of shoesmiths podcasts on the procurement bill so please do look out for new episodes on the website and social media mm-hmm.